fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 30, and boy, do we have a stacked show for you guys today. Good grief. But before we get into any of the news or the discussion, Josh, how you doing tonight? I'm great, man. I've, I've uh, had, a, had a week, but um, you know, we're here and uh, we're ready to rock. Yeah, man. Let's just get right into this because there is so much I'm sure we have to discuss today. First of all, some trailer came out since the last time we talked. And I'm not going to lie. It's an okay trailer. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah? Which trailer are you talking about there, buddy? I'm talking, of course, about... Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. Now, let me preface this by saying, I knew this was coming. I watched the whole Episode Nine panel leading up to the trailer. The panel kind of sucked, I'll be honest. They really said nothing in, during that panel. Like, absolutely nothing. I get being tight-lipped, but you could at least give your audience some clues. Everyone was just there kind of more or less to be like, okay, when are we getting the trailer? We got the trailer. I think it's an okay trailer. Not nearly as good as I was hoping, or it should have been. But I have more thoughts that we can expound upon in a little bit. What do you think of The Rise of Skywalker, first of all? What do you think of the title? And then what did you think of the trailer, Josh? Um, first of all, you know, if you were trying to hide who Ray, who's Ray, who Ray's parents are, uh, that's apparently out the window because... All hints, including the the name of the of, of the movie now, are pointing towards that Ray is a Skywalker. So thanks, appreciate that, guys. Way to keep a mystery. Um, but I mean, to be fair, we kind of everyone was kind of like, well, who else would she be? Um, Second of all, uh, I, I do th- this played to me very much like a teaser, very much like a teaser, and it to me it did it did enough to get our to get the fans feet wet. You know what I mean? Like just to kind of give us a peek at what, what, what we should be expecting a little bit. And to be fair, like this looks like it's, it has some good potential as far as the star, as a star Wars film goes granted. So did last Jedi. <laughs> so, which I love by the way. Yes, I agree. I, as do I, but the, there's a there's a majority of people out there that think Last Je- Last Jedi is bad, which I don't understand. Anyway, um, I think the biggest problem the Rise of Skywalker will face is one that we knew it was gonna have, and you can absolutely tell right off the bat with this trailer is you can tell it's gonna retcon stuff that Last Jedi retconned about Force Awakens. Of like, yeah. you could tell this whole new trilogy is made by different people and it's not very cohesive. Like they're almost abandoning every story aspect. It seems like from last Jedi and just kind of, ah, you could just go from force awakens to the rise of Skywalker. That's fine. And just, it's more an indictment on how Kathleen Kennedy runs Lucasfilm of just, yeah, you have creative freedom until I don't like your creative freedom and I will fire you with two weeks left type of thing. Yeah, basically. I I disagree, though, with the title giving away anything. I think it's so obvious that Rey's a Skywalker that it becomes... She's not a Skywalker. Like, it's so blatantly a spoiler that I don't think it is a spoiler. They just want you to think it is. 
Okay, I, I, I see where you're coming from that. Like that, maybe that, Skywalker that. is the name of the new Force users, somewhere in between, some gray Jedi. Okay. I can, okay, okay, I can see that. Um, I will say, and you and I have kind of talked about this, um, that I really enjoy that scene with Rey and the, which is the obvious Kylo um, TIE fighter. Yes, I don't know what this one's called. It was TIE Silence in the last one. I love Kylo ships, but so Josh and I have talked about this off mic, but I, the first time I saw this trailer, I had a theory right off the bat. I think Kylo and Rey are working together in this scene. I don't think they're fighting because go back and watch the trailer. She does that awesome backflip thing. It doesn't look like she's attacking the TIE fighter. It looks like she's doing a backflip to hop onto it to catch a ride because she doesn't look like she's attacking it. Also, if the TIE fighter was attacking her, don't you think it would have started shooting at her? Uh, That would be the thought process, wouldn't it? Yes. And we don't actually, we assume it's Kylo Ren, but we don't actually see who's piloting the ship. We just see the black gloved hands, which I called it in my How Episode 9 Could Work video way back when, last May, that Kylo would have a new mask or reforge his old one and he would just have a mask again. And the trailer shows that he will. And I'm so glad about that. Yeah, because I really enjoyed his mask. Same. It's more of a character type thing, though, for me. Of it's symbolic. All masks in Star Wars are symbolic of something. Absolutely, and it, it just bad guys have masks. The ba- bad guys—it's just that's just how it works. Yeah. Uh, the other big takeaway, obviously, I thought this trailer was just okay. If it wasn't a Star Wars trailer, I don't think people would be talking about it as much because I think it's just a fine trailer. Until um, no one's truly gone forever. Eh, 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 eh. Yeah. And like you, I don't know about you, but I had to do a double take of like, wait, was that a laugh who I thought it was? Rewind it. Yeah. Yeah, that's who I thought it was. And sure enough, for those of you who were watching the Star Wars Celebration panel when they debuted this trailer, as soon as the trailer was done, they brought the house lights back up and who's on stage but Ian McDermott, the guy who plays Emperor Palpatine, and he says in his best Pal- Palpatine voice, roll it again. So if there's any doubt, yes, Palpatine is back. I'm conflicted about this. I I, I don't... See, because you and I ha- had talked about this off mic um, when, it, when it debuted. Um, I also have mixed feelings, and part of it's because I, they, for me, you can't retcon everything in the past, uh, you know, previous movie. You just can't. It just doesn't make story sense to do so. Um, like, okay, what happened in the last movie happened. You can only go from there, right? So if that's the case, then the, the feuding between Kylo and Ray has to continue. It ha- that has to be the main uh, good versus evil. Now, you can still have other evils, in my opinion, that try to either tempt Ray or um, Kylo is looking for some uh, more guidance as far as the, the ways of the Sith. I do believe in my... I don't want to go back to it because it's just 
an elaborate fan theory is essentially what it is. But in my How Episode 9 video could work, Kylo's looking for a Sith holocron. I could absolutely still see that happening. Absolutely. I don't think I'm that far off the mark, which I'd be totally down if I'm right about some things. I was way off on Last Jedi, but uh, I might be more on the mark than I think this time around. Um, yeah, I'll be very curious about Palpatine. I'm on the fence. I, I enjoy seeing all the memes about Palpatine coming back, but at the same time, in the original stuff, uh, the original Expanded Universe stuff before it became uncanon, there's like Palpatine clones and like he was able to put his spirit back into clones. That all sounds so ridiculously stupid to me and just kind of shoehorn something back into the universe. And I really hope we don't go down that road. I have yeah. faith enough in J.J. Abrams to not do that. But I, I do have some cause for concern of, really? Palpatine? And I don't blame J.J. for that. I blame the studio for not having a... This feels like they didn't have a clear end goal, an end game, if you will, of where the story was going to end up. It was like, all right, director, don't really worry about talking to the previous director about where they're going to take the story. You do your own thing. Oh, that didn't work out too well? Um, Original director, you do your thing. And J.J.'s probably just going... Um, Palpatine then, I guess? Yeah, because n- now with Snoke gone, what what do you do? Like, yeah, like, because uh, Kylo's not, he's not, big, like, he's good, don't get me wrong, but he's not big enough quite yet to be the big baddie, if you know what I mean. Yes. Plus, I know some people are saying, Kylo's beyond redemption because he killed his dad. But I still think Kylo ends the rise of Skywalker as a hero, if nothing else. Like, I don't think he'll survive, but I think he ends up like his grandfather of sacrifices himself for the greater good and dies a hero and ultimately finds redemption in that. I think that's more of his journey than out-and-out bad guy, and that's why they're bringing Palpatine back. But more than anything, this trailer just brings up questions and leaves me scratching my head. Like, not Nate. I'm super excited, like an Endgame trailer, which we'll get to in a little bit here. But more just, huh? Just curious yeah. more than anything else. Yeah, I agree. Like both of us, I, I, I think I even messaged you. I have more questions than answers, and I don't know if that's a good thing quite yet. Yeah, I remember the first Force Awakens teaser. That got me excited right off the bat because they had some interesting visuals, and then they capped it off with that great Millennium Falcon doing a barrel roll at the end with the music and everything else. That felt like Star Wars. That was great. I'm not saying this doesn't feel like Star Wars. It, to be honest, at times felt like an Uncharted trailer because, and I put this on Facebook, holy crap, does Poe Dameron look like Nathan Drake from Uncharted 3? Well, if they're going to go find holocrons, which is a theory I think both of us have, uh, then yeah, why not? <laughs> the most encouraging thing I got out of the panel, one of the few bits of information that they did share from the panel, thanks for being so secretive, guys, is it seems like the main squad will be together for the whole time this time around, which I'm much more okay with. I want them together as opposed to, here's the three separate journeys that the three separate characters are on. Here's Poe's journey, here's Finn's journey, and here's Ray's journey. I would much rather them be together because they really haven't been this entire trilogy. Oh, yeah. Now, this trailer, 
as ho-hum as it was, wasn't the only big piece of news that came out of Star Wars Celebration. The other one that really is actually probably getting more buzz with the hardcore Star Wars fans than uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker, I think, is more of general excitement. This one is for the hardcore fans, and that is The Mandalorian, the live-action Star Wars show coming to Disney+. Plus. Now, they had a teaser... Unfortunately, it was just for those in attendance at Star Wars Celebration. However, we did get some still shots of the show, like four or five pictures and kind of a rundown of what the show will be like. So it'll take place five years after Return of the Jedi and will be very similar to a Western in space of just a lone Mandalorian bounty hunter. And I'm just going, yes, this sounds so fantastic. Oh, that's exactly what I think you and I discussed was either you do um, either you do you go back to the Mandalorian Wars, you do some kind of adventure with Bob, Bob, like OG Boba Fett before the original trilogy, or you just do something completely different. And it sounds like they're doing something completely different. Mm -hmm. And I'm so okay with that. Indeed. And it's a time frame that I want more of. For some reason, lately, Lucasfilm has just had this attachment to the period between episodes three and four. You've got original 2D animated Clone Wars, uh, the Clone Wars TV show, Rogue One, Solo. There's talk of that Obi-Wan movie that I still won't let go. Um, there's that new kid show resist uh, no resistance takes place uh, before force awakens but they keep making more and more stuff between episodes 3 and 4 and I'm like there's a 30 year gap between episodes 6 and 7 can we please explore that range if we're going to be somewhere in the skywalker timeline i want to go to old republic which is rumored to be happening soon but i want stuff between 6 and 7 and this is in that timeline and i'm so much more down with that than Absolutely. in between three and four. And I like that it seems like it's just going to be focusing on one non-Force-sensitive individual. Yeah, because we honestly, we don't get that a lot. If Star Wars in general is usually almost always about the Force and about Jedi, minus maybe Solo. But even then, that's still there. Yes, there's still some... There's still some influence there. I have my issues with Solo, but we've talked ad nauseum about that. Um, the Mandalorian will be a part of the Disney streaming service, which that is a whole big discussion that we're going to get into in a he- couple minutes here. Um, that's going to be launching day one. And holy crap, if I wasn't motivated to buy Disney Plus already, some of the announcements that they've made on top of this Mandalorian announcement, oh, Disney Plus is going to take all my money. I'm just positive. And Mandalorian, I'm so hyped for this show when it eventually comes out. Absolutely. And I think it's something that it will be is the perfect medium between of, of Star Wars stuff that we that we need right now. Because I think I also saw a post that they're going to take a break from Star Wars things for a little bit. Yeah, and not give me my Obi-Wan movie. You would say... It doesn't mean that it's out of the question. It just means they're going to take a break, which I appreciate because that's going to give them time to kind of get things situated and maybe create a hierarchy of, of people that is uh, – how, how do I say this? Organized. Yeah, basically. I think they're taking a break from the saga films 
I had heard talks that they might be doing Old Republic movies, which I'd be much more okay with because it's a completely different timeline. It isn't going to cross over with the established canon already. Yeah, It's like starting from scratch. And it'd be something fresh. Yes, it's something new and exciting, and I'd be very much okay with that. Absolutely. So our main discussion tonight is our continued look into the MCU getting ready for Avengers Endgame next week. Oh, man, I can't believe it's next week. And we're going to be talking about Phase 2. Now, I say that because what appears to be the final uh, Avengers Endgame trailer came out on Tuesday. And, again, not a lot is shown in this trailer, but to me, it is the best trailer we've gotten so far. It is essentially a fast two-minute recap of everything that's happened in the MCU so far in terms of the characters we've met, the critical events, and what's led us to this point. And I'm not going to lie, it hit me in the feels, man. Oh, yeah. Like, it, like, I, okay, so you, I remember you saying something about it, and then me, like, being like, all right, I need a mental note, make sure to go look at the trailer, whatever. And I was scanning through Facebook, uh, I think I was on my way to work or something like that, and you had posted it, and I was like, ooh, and honestly, at first, I thought it was fan-made. I thought some fan had just put, put all this stuff together because Incredible Hulk is included in it. Okay, I have issues with that one. I I mean, I do too, but do, I was like... Do you know what issue I have with it, though? Besides the actors? So they show, um, they show like a quick little montage of each movie. They show Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk. But the Hulk that they use is the Hulk from Avengers. It's not Mark Ruff. It's not uh, Edward Norton's Hulk. <laughs> That's kind of... Uh, I, they I really, we said it last week. They want you to forget about that movie. They really do. It's hilarious. Regardless, though, it, this quick recap leading all the way up, up to Endgame... It hits, hit me in the feels, and it really, and I think I commented on the video too, it gave you this actual physical scope of how big this universe is and how long we've been, make, we've been coming to this endgame. I think I forget at times just how intricate this story has been and how much it's been built up. Just little things that they've said even in Iron Man or Captain America, that I'm like, that that's probably going to pay off next week. Oh, absolutely. And just like, I I guess I'm really attached to these characters. Like, I love all the Marvel movies. Well, most all the Marvel movies. Um, but I'm just like, I never really thought I was that attached to them. Like, I grew up with Harry Potter, so I'm naturally attached to those characters. I guess it's more or less the same thing of like, yeah, I'm going to be really sad to see some of these characters go, but I'm excited to see what Endgame brings, I'm excited to see. It's like the last Harry Potter movie. I'm excited to see what the ending brings, except unlike Harry Potter, I don't know how this ends. I'll celebrate Absolutely. if Iron Man dies, as I have wanted him to die for many a year. But I genuinely think this time, I've been wanting Captain America to die for several films now. That is no secret. I think it just makes sense for his character. It's the right way for him to go out, is to go out on his back. If he does, and I feel pretty confident that he does, I'm going to be bawling like a baby, I think. Just because oh, yeah. re-watching this trailer that they showed, I've, I've really grown to love these characters and how they've ha- been handled in the MCU. And I really, sometimes I think we take it for granted 
how much work has gone into the MCU. I know you haven't liked all the movies. I haven't liked all the movies. But there's no denying, you put in 22 films worth of effort, and almost all of them are C or above in quality. There's not oh, a single awful fan stick level movie in the MCU. All of them are oh, at least absolutely. okay to fantastic. And oh, yeah. over time, it's just... Wow, I don't think we'll ever see something like this again. And so I it was nice to see this trailer really put in perspective of this is something special and it all ends next week. Yeah. It's, or does it? It doesn't. I, no, no, no. It's a, the, this end game is not the end. It's the ending of this first storyline. It's the and end the, of the, the beginning. Props, 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 yeah, exactly. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. I would say that it's the ending of this story and it should set up the next story as well. Just like wrestling, it just keeps going on. They've said, they haven't really talked about what stories are called until now, which makes me think they've thought about more arcs. This one's called the Infinity, the Infinity Saga. So... Clearly, they're thinking other sagas down the line, whether that's Secret War Saga or the Cosmic Saga with Galactus. Clearly, they've been building this movie up for 22 movies to get to this point. I think we're going to get more of these long builds with other smaller films leading into it, and I'm down for that. I think this is the end of the MCU that we know it, but an introduction to an even larger MCU going forward. Absolutely. Now, going from something massive and huge like Avengers Endgame to something a little more smaller and intimate, but no, still no less quality, is Shazam. Probably, <laughs> well, not even probably. I know for a fact it is my favorite superhero movie of 2019 so far. And uh, as I predicted at the beginning of the year with our predictions podcast, love it way better than Captain Marvel. Um, I don't know if it's my favorite movie of the year just yet, but I love Shazam. It has now been officially greenlit for a sequel. Yes, please. So I still haven't seen Shazam. <laughs> um, but I, my, but it's really funny, actually, because I think everybody that I know has seen it except me and everybody, even like my friends who were very critical of DC movies are, were, they enjoyed the crap out of that movie. It's because it's phenomenal. I think they're rushing it into production so soon is because they have a lot of kid actors and a lot of child actors involved with Sam. And they don't really want to miss that window of age. Like they, with kid actors, you want to start it as quick as possible or else you have Harry Potter syndrome of, yeah, the first yeah, two movies where they look like kids and then all of a sudden they show up for the third movie and they look four years older. Yep. That being said, I think this is happening before Aquaman 2. I think a lot of DC movies are coming out before Aquaman 2. At least that's happening. Um, without dipping into spoilers for Josh, they set some things up um, for Shazam 2. And again, without spoilers, I don't think it'll be Black Adam. I think the success of Shazam at the box office opens the door for a Black Adam movie to happen sooner. But I don't necessarily think Black Adam will be the villain for a Shazam 2. I could see maybe for Shazam 3. Because 
it's no secret Shazam does not have the deepest of villain rosters. No, and part of that is just because he's really just almost always been a part of the of the JLA. Uh, it's also primarily because for a long time there he was in legal trouble, but when he was first created, it was World War Two, I believe. And so yeah. a lot of his villains were ones that don't necessarily translate to nowadays. Like, I feel like he had a villain that was like, Captain Nazi. Yeah, good luck with that one nowadays. Like, his was yeah, very it's, indicative of its time. Yeah, ex- exactly. But, I mean, at this point in time, like, I think Black Adam is almost the only other direction you can kind of go without just putting him into JLA and keeping him there. And again, without spoiling anything for Josh, even though I should because it's been out for two weeks, it is <laughs> it is clearly established without outright stating so that Black Adam does exist in this universe without... He does... It, there's hints, obviously, for those that know the comics, that Black Adam is, what, is or was a thing in this universe. So I think with Shazam doing as well as it is in the box office... I think that'll speed up the progress. So I would think Shazam 2 should... They're getting everyone back. The director, I believe, is signed on to come back. The scriptwriter's coming back. So look for this one to be fast-tracked very soon and probably go into production next year. Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think uh, with the success of Aquaman and Shazam... I think DC is going to ramp up, and because they, I think they have found their stride, and they're they're getting ready to to unleash truly what the DC universe is going to be. All it took was some people, some high ranking people, not being in their position anymore. Hmm, it's like we said that and it was the issue all along. Hmm, how interesting. Well, there's two people to blame, but that's a whole other issue for another yeah. day. Um. Now, another issue, interesting news topic that came across our desk, um, if we had desks, another DC one regards to Titans, the show that we love talking about because it's criminally underrated. And so one of the main threads through Titans season one was we saw Bruce Wayne in silhouette, but we never saw him because they never cast him. They never really got a clear shot of Batman just because... They never had an actor. Well, Batman will be a part of season two of Titans, and we now have our actor. Game of Thrones is Ian Glenn. For those of you who don't know which Game of Thrones character that is, because there's so many nameless ones, it's Captain Friendzone, that one that had a thing for Daenerys, and she's like, dude, you're old and gross, so no. Yeah. Honestly, so first of all, I thought they they, uh, handled the them not having an actor for Bruce slash Batman very elegantly. Yes. Like there was a, they at no don't point overexpose where, Bruce at all. Oh, exactly. And at no point did you, were you like, wait, who do they have playing him? Because it doesn't matter. And that was the thing. I didn't feel like I needed to have Bruce around because that wasn't, he wasn't who I was interested, interested in as far as the story went. Um, as far as the casting goes, uh, I'm very down with this especially uh, I'm just picturing the way that he acts and picturing him picked uh, paired up with, with Dick in, in Titans. And especially this Dick Grayson. Yeah. This particular Dick Grayson. And I'm super down. 
that's to run paper. This sounds like a fantastic idea. Yeah, I like that this actor is a bit older because while he wasn't my first pick, primarily just because I even forgot about him. I like that he looks older, more gruff, because I kind of get a uh, Batman Beyond vibe from him, like a grumpy old man Batman who just stopped caring a long time ago and is more embracing that angry side of him, like the Snyder yeah. Batman. And I'm yeah, much more I, okay with that because that feeds into the character of Dick Grayson that we've seen on Titans and his journey that he's going on. So it would make sense if Batman is real troubled and that's what, yeah. has made Dick Grayson the way he is, or what has made, spoiler, Jason Todd, who's on the show as well, it's made him how he is. So I think this guy's great casting. I'll be curious to see how much they use him on Titan Season 2, because the show is not about Batman. Batman is a key supporting character, the story of Dick Grayson. And if you're truly going to turn him into Nightwing in Season 2, which is I firmly believe is what his arc is, you need Batman oh, yeah. in there in some capacity but titan scene two they've like doubled their cast size it's ridiculous well they can afford to now because now they're like okay people are kind of getting behind the show now we can actually tell as big of a story as we're wanting to yes and i just hope the nightwing suit is good that's all i care about Look, man, as soon as I, I think Doom Patrol, I'm sorry, just, uh, because, you know, I have to talk about Doom Patrol when, when this in this discussion um, for a very particular reason. I think Doom Patrol is going to be done with one season because I think Doom Patrol is going to end with him meeting somebody from from the Titans. Cyborg, you mean? Yeah. Who did I say? Nobody. Oh, OK, sorry. No, I think Cyborg is going to end. It's going to end with him meeting somebody from the Titans, and he so they can transition him into that into there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Titans roster season two rise is going to look very different. Season one, you had Nightwing, uh, not even Nightwing. He was still just it was Robin, Raven, quote unquote Starfire. It's still not quite Starfire to me. Um, sometimes Beast Boy. He wasn't really a big presence, uh, and that was about it. Next season, we're supposedly adding uh, Superboy and Crypto. Yay, Crypto. Yeah. Uh, probably Cyborg after Doom yeah. Patrol. Um, Jericho, at least for a little bit. If you know um, the Judas Contract storyline, yeah, probably yeah. won't be a full season thing. Um, and probably Robin turning into Nightwing. So the show is really shaping up to be a great season, too. Absolutely. And honestly, they... Season one has been so overtaken with, and it needs to be the the story needs to be told with Nightwing's arc um, that it has been hard to get behind Starfire, but there are hints and little little tidbits here and there of of who who Starfire is, and we're we're getting there. She's she. It's going to take a little bit of a process for her. Because I do like the, the the bump on the head kind of story that they're telling with her. Yeah, I'll be curious to see the direction they take her for season two. Uh, this is another interesting, somewhat DC-related. So, for a lot of years, Mark Hamill was the voice of the Joker. And he's a prolific voice actor. Well, Mark Hamill got a new gig recently as the voice of Chucky in the new Child's Play remake. Now we have our first official look at... Chucky in the new child's play, like actually what the doll is going to look like. 
Well, could be worse, I guess. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Appreciate it. I, I don't want this. Look, look, I'm not a Chucky fan, but like you were the one defending it, it, this movie, man. I know, but like, here's the thing. I at no point did, does that doll make me nervous. It I just, think that's the point. I know, and you know what? Maybe it's the argument Nostalgia Critic the, had with it of which one's scarier: the Tim Curry clown or the Alexander Skarsgård one from the new It. And he claimed it was the original because that one starts off being an actual clown that kids would probably gravitate towards. So it's the same thing with this doll. Kids will buy this doll because it is non-threatening. And then when everything goes to crap, then it makes sense why it's terrifying. I guess. I just... Like, I'm down. I think with that perspective, sure. And then you have... Mark Hamill's voice coming out of it, I can see how that would be terrifying. I, I've i never been that big of a Chucky f- fan. I do think, I think you and I agree that uh, taking away the voodoo aspect is a little disappointing because that was kind of one of the things that set it apart um, and made it less, t- uh, t- uh, what is it, Toy Soldiers or whatever the movie's called? Um, uh, you know I know exactly, exactly which one about. you're talking about. Yeah, um, it's like toy soldiers or tiny, tiny, tiny small soldiers. soldiers? Small soldiers. I yeah, think. it. I will definitely be passing on this one, and that's probably because I don't care about the Chucky movies. I haven't seen any of them, which is I know odd for the horror connoisseur that I try to be. This doll doesn't. This doll does nothing for me. Like. When I saw the new Michael Myers mask for the new Halloween, I was like, yes, this is, this seems right. This Chucky just, I don't know. I've never been scared of Chucky, just like I've never been scared of Leprechaun. This does nothing for me. I don't care. I will be passing. That being said, it's still news that I feel like we need to cover on this show. It's, it, it, it is what it is. I, and I know, and you can give me all the crap you want. I've been trying to be as positive as I can about this. Because I think in today's day and age, Chucky does have the potential to be absolutely terrifying. But we'll whatever, we'll see. Yeah. In literally any other time of the year, this would be our main discussion. However, we are trying to get through all of the Marvel-related content in time for Endgame, so we're still going to be talking about this as a news topic, but holy crap, there's a lot of, to discuss here. Disney Plus, I don't know why, but Disney just dropped a bunch of news on this, and I had to, like, get an extra, like, I've seen some good pictures on Twitter and everywhere else, so I have a picture here that I'm going to go through. Some of the main highlights for Disney Plus that Disney just decided to drop out of nowhere. So, Disney Plus will be coming November 12th, and it'll cost $6.99 a month, or $69.99 for the whole year, which is like $5.50 a month, um, which is a ridiculous deal. That is crazy good. That's almost like half the price of Netflix. Um, oh, yeah. It will have offline download for all content, which is ridiculous. And we got a rundown of some of the programs that'll be on here. Uh, here's some of the things that I have in my notes. 
all 30 seasons of The Simpsons will be uh, on Disney Plus at launch and will be the exclusive home of The Simpsons. Uh, the Mandalorian we talked about earlier will be there on, on day one of the launch. A live-action Lady in the Tramp movie will be there at launch. We'll be getting a Falcon and Winter Soldier series within the first year of launch with uh, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, the original MCU Ooh. actors, reprising their role. Uh, we'll be getting a new animated Phineas and Ferb movie. We'll be getting a Scarlet Witch and Vision TV series called WandaVision, which is the worst name for a TV series ever. Uh, well, we'll Alan see. Tudyk will be coming back to voice K2SO in the Cassian Andor Star Wars series. Interesting. Uh, Marvel will be doing an animated series called uh, What If, based on the comic storyline, uh, basically an alternate universe each episode, uh, with the first episode being if Peggy Carter became the super soldier instead of Steve Rogers. Um, also, something else I completely forgot when Disney bought 20th Century Fox is they also acquired the rights to National Geographic. So they will be running a um, nature documentary called The World According to Jeff Goldblum. So a picture, a nature oh documentary. Oh, yes! A nature documentary voiced by Jeff Goldblum. And the thing that gets me the most excited of... <gasps> Oh, we'll be getting 5,000 episodes of Disney Channel content and 100 Disney Channel original movies will stream at launch and in HD. (sighs) Bro, like this, first of all, when did, my first comment is always, when did Disney acquire the rights to Simpsons? But that is neither here nor there because... The story has been and will continue to be that Disney is going all in on this, man. They are. Yeah. If this was a fight between Netflix, they came out with a massive haymaker right to the chin of Netflix. And honestly, it. If we're honest, it doesn't. It's not going to take much to beat Netflix these days. But um, outside of because outside of Netflix's original content, they they've kind of water down their other content quite a bit but with this this is going to be incredible yeah so what of all those the massive massive amount of news dump that i just dumped out there and that's just some of it i'm sure i'm missing other big pieces of news of all of those what are you most excited for um mandalorian um, I like that there's the live action is just going to be there. And then this is, I think, I feel like this is the first we've heard of it. I, I might be wrong on that. Uh, the live action lady in the tramp. Um, yeah, it's been announced. I, it's just, I haven't really talked about it a whole yeah. lot. Um, I know you and I have kind of talked briefly talked about the what if series off, off mic. Um, that could potentially be really interesting. Um, I think the Falcon and Winter Soldier could be really interesting as well. Now, I have a theory about that one. Yeah, but honestly, at the end of the day, this 500 episodes of Disney Channel content and 100 Disney Channel... No, 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 no. Not 500 episodes. Oh, 5,000. Sorry about that. 5,000 episodes of Disney Channel content. Which means that, like, that begs the question, I want a show list. I want to know what all shows they're bringing... There is going to be on there because 5,000 is easily just the shows they did in the early 2000s. Oh, gosh. I would 
pay the six ninety nine a month. I know I already am, but if you told me day one, hey Nathan, we're gonna have Buzz Lightyear of Star Command the entire series. Oof. I didn't even Buzz and Tarzan because Tarzan Buzz Lightyear, only- Tarzan, oh. Aladdin, Timon oh, and Pumbaa, um, Goof Troop. Or, or uh, what was it? Um, Dave the Barbarian. Dave the Barbarian. Uh, Phil oh of the Future. Gosh. There's so much that would be fantastic if they had on there. Because there's a lot of that stuff you can't find anywhere. Exactly. And Disney has said that anything that's in the Disney vault, the vault more or less is open now and will stay open. So any Disney movie, except for maybe Ooh. Song of the South, any Disney movie will be available <laughs> on this. And the thing I'm most excited for, not only will it be available, it'll be available for offline download. So you won't have to have an internet connection to watch stuff. So if you're going on a flight, you can download Disney stuff ahead of time to watch on your flight or when you don't have an internet connection. Exactly. A lot of places already do this. Netflix has it in a limited capacity. For Disney to say, we're going to have it for everything? That's nuts. Also, uh, something I missed in the notes earlier is Disney has said... Uh, as soon as the app launches, anytime a Disney movie comes on digital or Blu-ray, that movie will be available on the streaming service that same day. So, buy Blu-rays, buy buying digital. If you have Disney streaming service, you got the movie right there. Yeah, it's going to launch Which with Captain honestly, Marvel also day one. I don't didn't like Captain Marvel, but that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, all, all things considered, I mean. DVDs are kind of uh, antiquated anyway. And in today's day and age, um, it's hard to actually find a decent DVD player or Blu-ray player that's not just automatically in like a gaming system or something. So it's, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like, this is the beginning of a move towards less DVDs. And then, you know, people will collect DVDs as, as a, uh, as uh, mementos and stuff like that. Already do, man. I know you do. I don't have the space for them, so. Yeah, I think for me, the things I'm most interested in are obviously the live-action Marvel stuff. I think Falcon and Winter Soldier is the code name, like how Return of the Jedi was Blue Harvest. I think this is the code name and not the finished name. I think the show is actually going to be called Captain America and the Falcon. I can see that. Bucky as Captain America. Yeah. No, I can totally see that. And, and they can't say and, that or else that's a spoiler for Endgame. Just exactly. like I think WandaVision could also be a code name for something else. Oh, it is. it better be a code name because uh, what, what, what even is that? Ugh. Yeah, that's a horrible name if they stick with it. And we talked about it. The Mandalorian should be great. Looking for the TV shows. Something not nearly enough people are talking about. Guys, we're getting a new Phineas and Ferb movie. Yes, please. <laughs> the TV show and really all of the movies have been spot on. So, like, it's really yeah, nothing on this. Get every Phineas and Ferb episode, too. Exactly. Really nothing on this list of what they've been announcing has been. I haven't, don't think I've seen something yet that has made me go, oh, okay. Well, I guess that's sure. Why not? Because, I mean, I think it, we're all starting to realize, how, you know, how much disney has played into our lives in general my only question with this is they keep announcing content i genuinely don't know what i'm gonna watch first 
Because, yes, I could watch these Marvel shows, or I could watch The Mandalorian, or I could watch the cartoons that I grew up watching of, oh gosh, I hadn't yes. even thought about this. If they have House of Mouse, I'm not leaving the house. Oh, dude, <laughs> to be real, if we're honest, it like, and I think that's part of kind of the draw. And it's why I don't think that it's why I think they're okay with doing seven bucks a month because they know everybody's going to get it, especially with all the stuff they're, they're announcing for it. Because you could, if as, if as much content is going to be on here as they are saying is going to be on here, you could go the entire year after launch and not have seen everything on the, on the service. Yeah. And I guarantee you the price will go up, but no matter how high they go, up until maybe 25 bucks, I think the service is absolutely worth it. It seems like not only are they delivering us a lot of quant- like quantity of content, they're giving us quality of content, too. It sounds like great stuff, whether it is oh, yeah. those classic things that we grew up on or new original programming or, heck, documentaries. I'll watch the crap out of a Jeff Goldblum-narrated documentary. They've also said that they're going to have a multi-part documentary on the Imagineering team, which is essentially the creative team behind the parks. That sounds fascinating. I love the Imagineering team. I like those type of documentaries. I like Netflix documentaries. So if Disney can compete with the documentary game and slowly also integrate the Fox properties, of you're starting with 30 seasons. I've never watched Simpsons, never cared. But you got to admit, 30 seasons of a show on launch and it's the exclusive home of that that's impressive yeah. hey um wasn't scrubs on fox uh for at least a little bit i remember scrubs had a troubled tenure it was like on fox for like maybe season nine and then it was on abc it's on hulu now which I've heard rumor of like bundles that you can do like uh, this with Hulu or this with ESPN Go. I haven't looked into that a whole lot yet. Yeah, but I mean, really, like in today's day and age, you almost don't even need Netflix, especially with Disney coming out. You can do Hulu and Disney on the on the basic level and literally have access to so much content. Yeah, once they introduce those Fox, they haven't announced a whole lot of Fox things on the Disney. Plus app, but once they do, all your alien movies, all your predator movies. Mm. That just it just opens the doors wide open. And there's there's gonna be so much content, and I don't know if anybody's ready for it. Yeah, honestly, if you could sum up Disney Plus coming after Netflix in a single GIF, it's probably that one of Henry Cavill cocking his arms in Mission Impossible. <laughs> I mean, I I was gonna go with <laughs> I was gonna go with the uh, the vine of the guy who's trying to throw the umbrella at the umbrella that's flying down the beach. Yep. No. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Netflix is re- uh, the day after Disney Plus made all these announcements. Netflix's stocks drop. So yeah, it's a war coming, and I'm very interesting to see how Netflix will respond to this. It's going to be interesting. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And cause, and that's always been my issue with Netflix is, has been the content. Like they, they really have their, their, their original content is great. You know, it, it sometimes it, it can be hit and hit or miss, but if generally speaking, it's good stuff, but then you've taken away the Marvel shows. Okay. Though well, that's a reason to not have the Netflix. Now uh, you've, 
there's no Disney stuff on there anymore. A lot of the horror section is all the B-level stuff. So it's like, it's what's the point? Yeah, I think that's the one main area where Disney's going to be lacking for a little bit for Disney Plus, just because that's not their department will be horror. I'll be curious to see how they add to that department because it's one that I, I care deeply about. So I'll be curious to see what Disney does with it. That being said, Disney's not messing around. They... They don't like to come in second place for anything. They want to win this streaming battle. They really do. And you know what? If it, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised, but if, if there's any, if there's a company that's going to win this, win the streaming battle, it's going to be Disney. Oh, absolutely. And that'll about cover it for movie news. However, we're going to move on now to our discussion. Last week we talked Marvel Phase One movies, so Iron Man leading up to Avengers. This week, we're doing Iron Man 3 through Ant-Man. Yes, there's an Avengers movie in there, but uh, there's it's weird. Uh, phase 2 ends with Ant-Man. Josh can't be here for the discussion due to some technical issues on his end, but that's totally fine. We have a great replacement. Welcome back, Joe. How are you doing tonight? And thanks again for filling in so late in the game. I'm doing good, Nate. It's good, it's good to be back. I didn't, I didn't expect to be back so soon, but I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to be... I'm glad you're back. I'm glad we can talk some Marvel with you because uh, you and I always talked about Marvel all the time. I'm glad we were able to get together. Let's talk phase two, which to me is the most interesting of all the phases of when it hits, it really hits. And when it misses, it really misses. Every single movie yeah. in this phase to me is either excellent or one of the weaker Marvel films. Right. So starting us off for phase two, We've got Iron Man 3. So, before I go into it, Joe, what are your overall thoughts on Iron Man 3? I mean, Iron Man 3, I guess <clears throat> it really does, like... I think all the, almost all the Phase 2 movies, but Iron Man 3, like, mostly, like, shows, like, the aftermath of going through, like, a big, like, almost of a... Pretty much a big war. Like, mo- like Iron Man, out of everyone, and, pros- and I'm pretty sure Steve Rogers as well, you know, so you know, suffered through PTSD after that, <clears throat> after that war. So it was, to me, Iron Man 3 is fine in showing, like, the realism behind, like, the aftermath of a major war, especially a world-ending one. Yeah, I think, I like that aspect. I wish they dwelt on it more. Um, and I'll get into that for things for Endgame when we go back and cover this movie in a little bit again. Um, to me, Iron Man 3, it's not as bad as Iron Man 2. That one's still, to me, right. the weakest Marvel movie we've gotten to date. But I, I'm not a huge fan of Iron Man 3, and that's primarily because of the one thing everyone always remembers about this movie, and that's the terrible Mandarin twist. Right. That was that, that was a twist that I really was hoping for the Mandarin to, like, you know, Tony start to go up against, like, in a, in a way, magic, or at the same time, like, there's some iterations where the Mandarin's from another planet, but, like, you know, that was it was a real letdown. Yeah, I'd seen some reviews going into uh, Iron Man 3 that there's going to be something about halfway through that people were either going to love or hate. And there was like a minor plot to us, like very small. I forget what it was. Something happens, and I was like, really? Is that it? That's kind of nothing. And then this twist comes up, and I was like, no. That can't You can't do that. No. Really? And my dad has made this great point to me a couple times, and I completely agree. If the Mandarin plot twist wouldn't have been nearly as bad had the actual villain of the movie been good. But that, to me, is the biggest problem with Iron Man 3 of, is it 
Aldrich Killian? Is that the name of the guy? He's so forgettable yeah. as the villain. Right. And they were doing such a sh- good job with Ben Kingsley's Mandarin instead. I would much rather would have stuck with that. They could have. But, well, besides the Aldrich Killian thing, I hate how he can more or less just take, like, 45 minutes to build a suit nowadays and that they fall apart like nobody's business. Like, the first Iron Man, first couple Iron Man movies, they get beat up, but they hold together. This, like, if someone blinks at them, the Iron Man suits fall apart. Yeah, it's, I guess it's his, like, creativity side. Like, most most people who are, like, in in the art world or just, like, can or just like creating stuff overall, like to like just have so many projects and want to get get rid get them out the way so fast. So like for the Mark Forty Two armor, I guess was like the end result that there are like so many of the armors, like in terms of like building out to like something. I was like, okay, let let me actually build something that could be useful, which is an armor that could be activated through through your mind. So that's just my opinion. Yeah, I I would have been more okay with it had the suits had a purpose, but it felt like in the movie they were just kind of there for toy reasons. And it yeah. seemed very clear of, we have a whole bunch of different suits. Buy them now at Walmart at 1997. Mm-hmm. But Iron Man 3, to me, would be the weakest film in Phase 2 had not the next film in the MCU been Thor The Dark World. Oh, oh my God! Boy, this movie not not the greatest thing, and <clears throat> but at, not the greatest thing ever. But at least it gave us an Infinity Stone. Yeah, um, in the pantheon of Marvel movies that we've gotten so far in the MCU, is this your least favorite, or is there one that you like less than Thor: The Dark World? I mean, in I I dislike it in terms of the <clears throat> in terms of the story, the way it was written. Like I feel like they they were just like experimenting too much with it, in my opinion, or just like they just didn't know like how to properly introduce like the the reality stone. Like to me, like it really doesn't like showcase much of the reality stone of what it does. It's just saying like, oh yeah, if you get infected by the stone or like it's like power you're gonna slowly die at some point like how it was supposed to be with jane foster i think that was the plot i'm not sure yeah i can't remember too much about it now yeah in terms of story wasn't that great to me at all now i've actually looked into this because i was curious uh the reason why thor the dark world feels like it was supposed to be something else or the potential wasn't really quite lived up to is because the movie was actually supposed to be something very, very different. Do you know who the original director of Thor The Dark World was? Mm, I do not. Wonder Woman's Patty Jenkins. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, and apparently she left the project due to creative differences, and we got the directors that we ended up getting for Thor The Dark World. She wanted to take it in a very much more different direction. And now I feel like Disney's probably kicking themselves going, maybe we should have listened to her because she did Wonder Woman and we ended up with Thor The Dark World. Right. So yeah, apparently they got very far in the creative process and then went on full Kathleen Kennedy and just got somebody else to do it instead that more aligned with what they were, what Marvel as a company was looking for from this movie. Right. I mean, the Wonder Woman director, she definitely... 
not not just in terms of story, but like definitely being respectful to the culture when it comes to women, like the Greek mythology stuff. So I feel like maybe there is supposed to be more like definite tributes to the Norse mythology. So and I really do enjoy the the Greek and Norse pantheons a lot when it comes to story. Like if, if you haven't played it, but God of War really like pays so much tribute to the Norse pantheon, which is amazing. Yeah. I this movie is just so paint by the numbers. It was so safe. Maybe if it came yeah. out in the nineties or the two thousands, we'd like it more. It just felt like Iron Man two of it's just kind of there to exist. It's not right. If this is the worst the MCU has to offer, we're in a good place because by by movie standards and by comic book movie standards, this movie really isn't bad. It's just so forgettable, and it's like the structure is fine. The story's okay, but for the MCU, okay isn't good enough. It's just fine. Right. It's it's not like Batman and Robin levels of bad or uh, Catwoman levels of bad. It's just so, so forgettable. Yeah, it really, it really is. But, but at the same time, I feel like with some of the Phase 2 movies and maybe a little bit of the Phase 1s, like, it's, this world has been, like, 10 years in the making, and I could pretty much see, like, some of these movies are just, like, filler to, like, you know, to help with the build-up to, like, okay, this is why this is happening so far. But, but yeah, I agree with the, in terms of, like, for the Dark World just be, like, not just, like, forgettable, but just really not that fantastic at all. Yeah, and these whole, like, lead-up to Endgame, you see, like, all these different flashbacks. Yeah. Um, even seems like Marvel themselves is kind of aware of some of their misfires. Like, they don't show a lot from Incredible Hulk. They don't show a lot from Iron Man 2. They don't show a lot from Thor The Dark World. It's just kind of like they want us to forget those happened. They're like, those events right. happened, but don't remember that those movies happened. Because the events of those three movies in particular don't really get mentioned a whole lot, especially in the larger right. continuity. But like you said earlier... This movie exists for one reason, one reason only, and that's to re- introduce the reality stone. That is it. Right. Now, the next MCU movie is a complete 180 in every sense. You remember which one came next? Not exactly nuts, but, get, but tell me anyway. Captain America, The Winter Soldier, the movie that yeah. single-handedly changed my opinion of Captain America. Oh yes, that that one I will say already is my absolute favorite out of all of the. For me, my favorite Captain America movie, but just like MCU overall. I completely agree. It's my. It's still even after Civil War, even after Infinity War, Winter Soldier is still by far my favorite MCU movie. But before I go into my long tangent about it, why do you like it so much? I just like it because, like, it really does portray Captain America as someone who really, like, he not just, like, fights for, like, you know, the, what we call the, like, to many people, the American dream, but, like, he really, like, does fight for the little guy and cares for, like, the littlest things and for, of course, his, his, uh, his comrades, and he puts that above himself over all many things and so when he like sees something like no this is bad we gotta stop it and everybody's like but come on Cap, no this this is bad we gotta stop this. Yeah, I thought the first one is fine. The first Captain America is definitely growing on me the more I watch it. But it right. it was okay because Captain America had this moral code in a very different time. He still had that kind of World War II approach to everything but still had a good moral center. 
He right. fit of the era that he was in. I like taking a character with that old school mentality and sticking him in to a modern setting. It was nice to see right. a black and white character exist in a gray world of, well, sometimes characters might think that they have to do bad things to do good in the world. And he's like, no, bad things are bad and we don't compromise We don't compromise who we are. And that's why I love Captain America. I've said before that the key to a good Superman movie is essentially doing exactly what Captain America did of take a character with old school morals and put them in a modern context and have them right. fight something they physically can't punch their way out of. I think that's the um, unspoken real reason of why Winter Soldier works so well is, yes, Cap is super strong. He's got all these great powers and everything, but he's facing a idea, essentially, of Hydra infiltrating um, S.H.I.E.L.D. He can't just punch his way out of that. That's a great concept of how how do you beat that? What do you do to combat that? You can't use your hands to fight this. You have to think outside the box, and I think it does a great job of that. Of course. And also they upgraded, to me, the other thing is they upgraded the action. of The first Captain America is very much, it's by the same guy that did the Rocketeer. So it fits very much in that same line of kind of cheesy, over the top, but fun action. This, when he's like fighting Winter Soldier and everything else, it feels more like Jason Bourne of um, tight, hand-to-hand, handheld cinematography. But I just really enjoy that. Um, the moment that I knew, I was just like, this is something very different. It's right at the beginning when he, Black Widow, and Crossbones are doing that um, secret mission to get S.H.I.E.L.D. agents right. back from the barge, and he's just laying waste of fools with that S.H.I.E.L.D., but actually, like, fighting, showing that he has been studying, he's been trying to get better at combat instead of just throwing the S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. I mean, but Captain America, he he's still, this, despite, like, he... Even though even though he got his strength because of the super soldier serum, he still wants to learn and be a better, not just a better human being, but like just a better like soldier overall to be able to defend the people he cares about. But of course, you know, protect himself from things that he he th- he thinks he'd be able to take on, and that's enough, and that's why I really love the choreography of the fighting and be able and fighting against Winter Soldier because he's essentially fighting. An equal, even though Winter Soldier technically has already has a bit more experience since he kept, keeps waking up and being put back to sleep. So that's just me. Yeah. Um, and for me personally, Winter Soldier has one of the saddest and hardest to watch scenes in the entire MCU. Sadder than Yondu dying. Um, sadder to me, sadder than Spider-Man with the I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark. And that's when Cap visits Peggy in the hospital or her house or wherever she is, she's bedridden and she's got Alzheimer's. And so he's like talking to her and she's just like, you didn't get a chance to live your life. They had this really great heart to heart, which actually we're going to talk about in a little bit when we go into our segment about things to remember for Endgame. But they had this great emotional conversation and then she like looks away or coughs for a second and the whole conversation resets and she like sees Cap again and he realizes that her brain, like age has caught up to her, but it hasn't caught up to him. And he has to acknowledge that he really has to let her go at some point. Like that Mm -hmm. scene is just hard to watch for me. It really is. And then they do make it even worse in Civil War. You're just like, oh man, Peggy. Mm -hmm. 
But I, I think there's a reason why that was there. And we'll get into that later in this episode. So we right. have the high that is Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And they keep the streak going with Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, man. Before we I get would... talking about Volume 2 next week, which is just sad. Joe, why do you love Guardians of the Galaxy? I'm assuming you do. Of course I do. It's I really do, like, aside from, like... um magic stuff when it comes to like people like dr strange and all that um i really do like space stuff you know space is amazing and i think the director for guardians of the got james gunn he really like not like really does like good when it comes to like the cosmic stuff the cosmic world of space and just and i really do just like the humor overall with the with the characters like being so different and yet be able to work together when it comes down to it yeah i think for me it's the characters and the humor like it it just works. You buy everybody's characters. You buy a raccoon voiced by Bradley Cooper. You buy a tree voiced by Vin Diesel, which I've been saying it since Iron Giant. Vin Diesel is a very underappreciated voice actor. Very underappreciated yeah. voice actor, I mean. Um, I still think Iron Giant is his best performance he's ever given. But I remember seeing Guardians, the first Guardians with my dad in theaters. And the moment I knew I was going to love this movie, and I was like... This is something I have never seen before. Is when Star Lord puts the headphones on and he starts listening to music in the temple, and then they just flash on the screen in this biggest font as possible, Guardians of the Galaxy, while this awesome music plays. I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I immediately can't get enough of it. And that tone just fit, and it kept going throughout the movie. And it's just like, this is great. My only complaint was I wanted more of the Nova Corps, and I feel like we might get it eventually. But I love Guardians, whether it was the great color palette, it's unique aesthetics, the characters, the humor. It just all works for me. Also, it just it just made us all realize Batista. Batista's great as Drax, and he's moved on to other projects. I'm just so happy to see him succeed. He's hysterical as Drax. Uh, he definitely is. And when it comes down to back to um just Guardians of God's overall, like it the fact that it's like to me, space is like timeless. So like the the '80s vibe because of Star Lord, you know, with the music and all that. It's like it fits so well with the with the world, which made me like it even more. Is like I what like there's some there some of the songs I have I have on my and my playlist just because of that movie. And just like I really I really like this. This this is a jam. Yeah, I remember when Guardians of the Galaxy came out. Um, I bought the CD of Awesome Mix Volume One. And it has stayed in my car since that movie came out uh, <laughs> five years ago. Uh, it was five years ago, man. Uh, that's weird. It's it's weird to think that that was that long ago. I know. It's crazy. But at the same time, it's like you have so much fun with these movies. Like time just flies by because you're just in anticipation. Like what's going to happen next? And then you look back like, oh, right. Iron Man came out. Like with... Homecoming, like a reference that ha- that Happy made when they pulled out, you know, when they talked about Pepper's, like, I've been holding this since, since 2008. 2008. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was a child. Yeah. Um, I think for Guardians, it was just this introduction to the MCU is going to do weird stuff now, but we know how to do the weird stuff right, so you still enjoy it. You can enjoy your raccoons and your trees and your blue assassin ladies but you're still going to care about these characters. The only downside, I think, for Guardians is 
um, the villain. But then again, Marvel had terrible villains for a while there. They're finally starting to correct that. I thought yeah. Ronin was very forgettable. Not as bad as Malekith in Thor The Dark World. And I thought the opening sequence in Guardians when, like, his mom's dying, I thought that was done really oddly. Like, I didn't, I didn't understand the emotion that they were going for in that scene. I guess I just wanted to get Star, get Star Lord's origin out the way soon, and so that way we could just, you know, get straight to the point in terms of like not just the Infinity Stone, but like just like building the, just like building up the team to see how well they would be in the future if they would be part of Infinity War or maybe End Game. But I guess Infinity War was the plan with them. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way, but when you put it that way, I yeah. I can absolutely see that. That's a good point of just kind of, here's his origin. All right, now you know his origin. Let's move on to better things, the more exciting things, like Batista, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't really like what they did to Batista for Volume 2, making him just the comedic relief, but I still, Guardian, the first Guardians, I think it's in my top five favorite Marvel movies. If not, it's like six, just barely out of that top five. I love Guardians. It's a pleasant surprise. And now the world knows who they are. They're a oh, bunch yeah. of a-holes. <laughs> they definitely are. Now, this one is a bit of a controversial movie in that people are really on the fence about it. Of uh, Some people, I know, really, really enjoy it. I initially hated it. Now I'm somewhere in the middle of, it's fine, but it's not nearly as good as the first one. And that's Avengers Age of Ultron. I remember mm. Heather and I saw this in theaters, and we both walked out of it going... That was not very good. I've gone back and rewatched it since, and it do- it has gotten better, but it is nowhere near as good as the first one. And you can tell that director Joss Whedon wanted to do some things, but they like forced him to include certain elements that you can tell he didn't want to include. Right. What do you think about Age of Ultron? I don't know if we've ever talked about this movie in particular. Uh, when it comes to Age of Ultron, like, I, I enjoyed it in terms of, like, because it's an, another Avengers movie, I get to see, like, the whole team together, but, like, there's just, like, so many things in terms of, like, I guess pleasing the fans in terms of, like, here's the Hulkbuster armor, oh, hang on, Wakanda's a thing, oh, here's your, here's, I guess, your two favorite mutants, oh, they're, they're not mutants, they got their powers from an Infinity Stone, I'm just like, oh, Okay, but at least we got Ultron, right? Yeah, you got Ultron, cool. It, yeah, a not very threatening Ultron, though. I not I was never a fan of this version of Ultron. Ultron in the comics is pretty cool. This one, I was never once afraid of him. Maybe it was the voice. No, he did sound he did sound like dull, like he didn't want to do this, but like I guess he was like acting like a regular robot with AI or it's just like humans are imperfect and that's his that's always been his thing but like the other Ultron despite his voice being more robotic and like definitely being a robot he I feel like he just had more like ambition I want to say I'm not I'm not sure but like I just find the ones in the comics better than this one. Oh, absolutely it the one in the comics I envisioned the voice being more threatening more metallic more robotic um this one I can, I can kind of see what they're going with of this, like, smarmy, sarcastic villain because he was created by the smarmiest and the sarcastic one of the Avengers right. with Iron Man being his mm-hmm. creator. Um, but yeah, I just never really bought into Ultron. And for me, Age of Ultron tries to do too much. It's the Iron Man 2 of the Avengers movies of 
it's just kind of here to hold people over until Infinity War, but also sets right. up way too much. Like you said, uh, they mentioned Wakanda. They introduced the twins. Well, by the end of the movie, just Scarlet Witch. But then you yes, have that sir. really random side tangent where Thor goes to the magical hot tub so he can figure out what happens in his next movie. Um, you've got building tension between Captain America and Iron Man setting up Civil War. There's too much setting up for the sake of a story. And I feel like Marvel hasn't gone this overboard since. So they, I feel like they did learn their lesson from Age of Ultron. Uh, you can't put this much stuff in just to set up things for later. And Joss Whedon does an admirable job of trying to balance everything as best as he can. But even then, he had high expectations with Avengers. And this just, it's not bad. It's just middle of the road. It's not nearly as good as it had the potential to be. Um, however, there's still some parts of it that are excellent. Um, from what I've read, originally Disney wanted to cut out the whole Hawkeye family farm thing. To me, that's the best thing in the whole movie. Oh yeah, it shows that even like hero, heroes, even a hero could have like a norm, a definite normal life. Like for example, him, Spider Man, and a few others. Like it, it was good. It was nice to see. Like plus, even a hero needs a break from time to time to like think like. What are we gonna do next? We need a safe haven so we actually think instead of just like right there in the moment, or we'll keep making mistakes. Yeah, it humanized Hawkeye, who admittedly was the weakest link in Avengers, primarily because he was a mind-controlled zombie for most of right. the first Avengers movie before he just comes back and shoots arrows. This one gave his character depth to me. Uh, in my family. Age of Ultron is my mom's favorite Avengers movie, I think, after the first one. I can't tell. I can't remember if she likes this one or the first Avengers more because of Hawkeye's family. She likes seeing that family aspect of just like, he's got a home and kids. And I think that's the humanity that you need these characters to have, especially Hawkeye, who's missing that depth. But that's right. obviously absolutely going to come into play for things you need to know for Endgame. Because right. looking ahead... I don't think the outlook looks pretty good for his family in Endgame, but we'll get that to there in just a little bit. Any other thoughts on Age of Ultron before we move on to the last film of Phase 2? Not really. I feel like the only thing that I really did, just didn't like was, like, the loss of Quicksilver. Like, sure, he did a noble thing, but just, like, he is de- he is definitely faster than a bullet. I don't think he should have done that, but, oh, well, that was their loss. I feel like he could have been flushed out more like Scarlet Witch. Which, admittedly, Scarlet Witch doesn't have that much depth to her in the first one. She only got depth in the subsequent films. I didn't care either way if Hawkeye died. Uh, right. No, not Hawkeye. If Quicksilver died because they didn't get us to care about him he he's like the teenager in a slasher movie he's just kind of there to die so they don't bother giving him that much depth they try but it just doesn't really work um right i'm glad they haven't resurrected him because it's the ongoing joke in marvel that no one actually stays dead (laughs) unless you're quicksilver apparently and i'm actually okay with that if somebody some people have to stay dead in order for there to be stakes right now This somehow is not the last film in Phase 2, canonically. For some reason, the final film in Marvel Phase 2, I don't know why, is Ant-Man. I don't know why it wasn't Ant-Man then Age of Ultron. Maybe you'd have too many people going, why wasn't Ant-Man in Age of Ultron? Um, But whatever. Ant-Man is the last film in Phase 2. What do you think about Ant-Man? I mean, I feel like 
when it comes for building up to Endgame and all that, I feel like they want to get as much like heroes who will like make sense in terms of their abilities and man, in terms of Ant Man, overall I enjoy Ant Man a lot, but like he I guess the the way they introduced him like last second was just like, you know, he here's another hero and he has pretty cool powers. Let's see how well he does, especially since by what they show is that he was in prison for most of the time so he probably was in prison during the during the entire time of the age of ultron stuff and maybe through the avenger stuff got i don't know how exactly long i think they said two years three years i don't know but yeah there's just like here's ant-man all right we're using scott lang instead of hank Pym. let's see how this goes is it just me or does it seem like the mcu hasn't cared about the ant-man franchise as much as it's cared about other franchises like cap thor Captain Marvel or Black Panther? He just kind of feels like he's there. No, um, he he is he is just there. But at the end at the end of the day, for me, I really do enjoy the Ant Man movies because like it's just like oh, here here you go here's a here's a random hero. It's kind of it, it's kind of like um the I mean not definitely a different tone from the Nef- the Marvel Netflix movies. I mean shows, but like you know here here's a hero. They're pretty cool, and it's like it's just that Ant Man was the one chosen to be on the big screen, while those other heroes ended up being TV shows. But yeah, that's just that's what I think. Yeah, Ant Man was the first Marvel movie I didn't see in theaters just because it didn't really hook me, and I was just like, eh, I'll catch it when I see it when it comes on DVD, and I did, and I think. It's fine. I had a lot of people who were just like, oh, you got to see Ant-Man. It's great. It's unique. It's different. And I saw it and I was like, it's, it's okay. It's a heist movie. It's fine. But it's not as great of a heist movie as like the Oceans movies. It, I thought it was just okay. And I think both the Ant-Man movies are really, really skippable. Except for one key detail that we'll get into for things you should know for Endgame. Right. But by and large, I think Paul Rudd is a good Ant-Man. I think the movies are good. They're fine. They're not the best, but if you had some skippable movies in the MCU, I, I think they're Ant-Man because they feel right. like they exist in the same universe as the MCU, but they don't impact the overall story like a Civil War does or uh, an Avengers does. It just kind of feels like it's it's there to introduce you to Ant-Man, who's going to just be a supporting character later, like a Falcon or a Hawkeye. Right. Now... Any other Ant-Man thoughts before we do our best and worst? No, I think I'm good with what I said about Ant-Man. Now, I think we've already kind of made it clear, but we'll go into further detail. Our best of Marvel Phase 2 and probably the best of any of the MCU movies. For both of us, I feel pretty confident saying it's Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah. Winter Soldier is just fantastic. It really is. I feel like, was it was it the first movie, The was it Rooster Brothers that did that one as well? I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to bring that up later, but I completely forgot, so thank you for bringing it back. Yes, Winter Soldier was the first movie that Joe and Anthony Russo, the guys that did Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame, Winter Soldier was their first movie, and I still think it's their best movie. These guys kind of turned the ship in a certain direction for Marvel, and for the better, I think. Of the movies that they've helmed are really well balanced, are some of the best in the MCU. Like I said, Civil War, Infinity War. I think Endgame is going to be one of the best movies in the MCU. Um, they know how to balance things really well, but they also know how to tell a Titans-focused story, which is what Winter Soldier is. Right. And, um, yeah, go for it. 
No, it's just that I really am impressed by just how well they were able to like, you know, focus on the characters that they, that they are, that they use and just the story overall and the, and the proper balance of all things. Like you said, you know, just really just like every single time I see, so, I mean, I haven't seen any of their previous work outside the Marvel stuff, but like so far the Marvel stuff that they've done is just like, I'm just amazed like how well, the story and choreography is for for the MCU. Yeah, these guys actually came from a TV background, if I remember correctly. So it is amazing that they've been able to do this really long-term storytelling with their films in the MCU, considering they come from a TV episodic background. I think they had worked on Community for a little bit. But mm. uh, going back to Winter Soldier, I think there's going to be a lot more elements to Winter Soldier that'll be important for Endgame than we think. Because Russo's, their first movie in the MCU was Winter Soldier, and now they're closing it out with Endgame. I would not be surprised if there's more elements from Winter Soldier in Endgame than we think, but we'll get into that in a little bit. And as we said earlier, pretty confident saying our least favorite film in Phase 2 is Thor The Dark World. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. What is it about it, Joe, in case we didn't make it clear earlier? what? Why is Thor The Dark World so, so much of an eye-roller? I mean, with to me again, like looking back, like from what I can remember, it really is just there to like fill fill the gap a bit to like you know give us a bit of a you know taste of like okay here's or right, here's something else that we're doing for the the eventual Infinity War like here's an Infinity Stone there you go like you could we this is what we can do with the reality stuff bye so that's just me. Yeah, it's just forgettable. The humor, to me, doesn't really work. It's not like Guardians-level humor. It's not Winter no. Soldier-level of storytelling. Nope. It's just okay. When your annoying sidekick character gets an annoying sidekick of her own, you may have a problem there. It's just... Yeah. <sighs> but, by and large, Phase 2, it's got its hits. It's got some mess, but... Overall, it's a pretty solid phase. I don't know if it's as good as phase one, but pretty good holdover to get us to phase three, which we will cover later. Now, we'll go through again, go through all the films of phase two. However, this time, we'll be pointing out specifically the details that we think you may need to know going into Avengers Endgame. So, for Iron Man 3, I think you guys will really want to remember that... Iron Man's kind of messed up in the head after Avengers. So Iron Man 3 was the first one to really show his PTSD, and he's got some trauma. Now, admittedly, the movie itself doesn't even really bring it up for the whole time, and some other movies since then don't really bring it up. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit of the panic and the nervousness of Iron Man in Endgame, especially now that some things that he had visions of have come true. True, it had... It actually has to some degree. I don't know what the the true capabilities of the Mind Stone when Scarlet Witch got the powers, but like showing him what he fears the most and somewhat coming true to some to a degree, it's just like you know. I think it was right to really show that show that aspect of Tony. Like he's afraid. He re- I, the one of the reasons for Age of Ultron is like he just wanted to build a shield, but because he was rushing it and like just too scared and focusing on just like. The, the consequences he failed to like try to see like the silver lining in it all and cap this whole which just keeps trying to tone that in age of in an age of Ultron but as well as a bit in Civil War 
Oh, yeah, there's quite a bit from Age of Ultron that I have in my notes about things that you should remember for Endgame. Um, Thor The Dark World, there's only really one thing that I could think of. Uh, two things. What the Reality Stone does, it just kind of morphs reality around you. We saw the effects of it in Infinity War, but just kind of remember that Thor The Dark World introduced the Reality Stone. And the thing that Josh put in the notes, which I think is absolutely right to bring up, is that in Thor The Dark World, Loki tricks us into thinking he was killed and then steals the throne from Odin. So we think Loki died in Infinity War. I 100% think he's dead. Uh, He's not faking it. But Josh wants us to remember that Loki has tricked us numerous times before so he could be faking his death. I think in Infinity War, they kind of went out of the way to be like, no, this is the real real Loki. And Thanos even says something along the lines of... Uh, no resurrections this time right after he snaps Loki's neck. So I feel like he's actually dead. That being said, Josh is right. I think it is a very good point to remember that Loki has faked his death before. Right. Which... Plus... Mm -hmm. No, it's just uh, with going on that with Loki. It's just like, I feel like maybe he... He could have like planned something. Like he probably could have done something to the Tesseract, or when he grabbed Thanos's gauntlet, maybe he added something to the gauntlet that could that would activate with somebody else that knows magic. Because he already has come in contact with Doctor Strange, and maybe he felt that maybe Doctor Strange could see what he planted, and maybe that's what helps with the future that Doctor Strange saw of them winning. Yeah, I. I don't want Loki to come back to life because he's, we've seen this so many times before. But it is something yeah. to keep in the back of your mind. Uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, has, like I said, a few more things than I think people are remembering that will be very important for Endgame. I think there's going to be quite a bit from Winter Soldier that you want to be cognizant of. For me, there's one thing and one thing in particular that Heather and I have been going back and watching some of the important... Marvel movies to be aware of. So when we were watching Winter Soldier, more or less just because I enjoy it, there's a line that Peggy Carter says that I was like, that, that right there, that could be the answer. And to the film's credit, they even use that same line in one of the trailers for Endgame, one of the TV spots that they've been showing. So I wrote it down just to make sure I had it right. So when she's on the bed and Cap visits her, she says something along the lines of, none of us can go back. Sometimes the best we can do is to start over. So, is that a hint to the fact that maybe they'll be going back in time and more or less starting the MCU over? Or will Cap go back in time and live out his life with Peggy now? That does open a lot of... um, That does raise a lot of questions in terms of like where if time travel really does come into play because, you know, the time stone definitely was like, was the one that they struggled to go after the most. And I feel like if looking close into certain details when it comes to set photos, and I guess seeing in the trailer, they have like these weird devices on their hands, which I assume is for time travel or to at least like not be affected too much by time. But Either A, like, probably Cap would go back to live out his life, or B, they would go back to the Battle of New York to ensure that the Tesseract is, like, definitely out of somebody's reach, or at least put somewhere a little bit more secured out of Thanos' side, giving it to Doctor Strange, because Doctor Strange was, def- the movie was set before 
the Battle of New York and they could like, they already know Stephen Strange and they're just like, oh, here you go, protect this with your life along with the time stone or send it into a different dimension, whatever. But yeah, I feel like time travel would come into play because of that line. Yeah, that line to me, it's just too on the nose to ignore of, wow, you really hit the nail on the head for that. And it's the same guys that did that movie that did Endgame. So it, long-term planning on their part if this line ends up being true. I I genuinely think Peggy Carter is going to be in this movie in some capacity. However, there's some other details that are given away in Winter Soldier that I think foreshadow things to come, especially for Endgame. Um, in every single Captain America movie, but they go out of their way to have a shot of it in Winter Soldier, Bucky holds Cap's shield, foreshadowing that maybe he takes over for Captain America. There's that great shot in Winter Soldier where they're doing the hand-to-hand fight, and uh, he more or less has the shield in front of him in, like, hero pose, like a Captain America pose, except he's got the shield. Um, Did the, the same thing in the first one. With Bucky in the train, he uses Cap's shield and shoots the guy. And in the third one, they're fighting Iron Man while tossing the shield back and forth. Every single Captain America movie, Bucky uses the shield in some capacity for at least a little bit. To me, that just foreshadows that he's going to be Captain America come Endgame. By the end of it, I mean. Right. I mean, when even though like Bucky has always protected Steve in, when he was like skinny Steve... Um, you know, after he becomes Captain America and ends up getting more training benefits because he wasn't on the field for a while, despite the the shows that he that he did for the army. You know, I'm pretty sure he had more combat training and was able to train Bucky. And probably when he had his um, when he got his circular shield, he probably during his um, howling, you know, howling commando days he probably like on the side like top lucky how to control the shield because maybe bucky seemed interested like steve how can you use your shield like that can you teach me how to do that i didn't think trash trash lids could do that you know hmm interesting thought and then lastly from winter soldier um the main villain one of the main villains from winter soldier is revealed to be um armin zola from the first captain america and when he comes back on the tv on the computer screen he says something along right. the lines of things from the past are never truly dead. Could this imply right. that we get some villains from previous Marvel movies returning? We had Red Skull show up in Infinity War. Um, could this be the case, like the Rise of Skywalker trailer, where some things can't stay dead forever and they return? Or if they do go back in time, that means some villains haven't died yet. Right. There are some villains that are still have yet to been like touched upon in terms in terms of like the big like the big scale stuff, but also like the mi- the minimal scale stuff in terms of like setting up for our future events. Like let's let's see for me right now, Spider Man for example, like they could not since they're getting into the cosmic stuff, they could, you know, introduce Madam Webb to help Spider Man like find his like help Spider Man realize his true destiny of becoming a like great hero because over like, over the course of time in many comics, like Spider Man is seen as a great hero. Even Cable says that to to Wade Wilson, that Spider-Man died of the, one of the as one of the greatest heroes of all time. So, like Madame Web introducing, you know, probably building up to secret secret wars or the the battle against Galactus. Who knows? But like that's one example I can think of when it comes to like characters they haven't introduced yet. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if they bring anybody back from the past. Um, it might be distracting, but if they do it right, like the Red Skull thing, it could be a great callback. Um, right. Another one that I think has more elements that'll be in Endgame than we may think 
is the first Guardians movie. Um, this is where more or less where they first introduce the stones' origins of like, hey, there's these things called Infinity Stones. Yes, they'd already been implied, and there's already fan theories before this. But this is the first movie that more or less out and out said, these are Infinity Stones. This is what the eventual goal will be, the end game, so to speak, um, with the collector telling the stone story. But I think something very, very important to know is at the end when they defeat Ronan the Accused, um, Star-Lord catches the Infinity Stone and then they all hold hands to more or less hold its power. So the stones right. with a strong enough individual can be held in someone's hand. I've read a great theory that I'm starting to believe in that at the end of the movie we'll see each of the original six Avengers wielding a stone on their own that most represents them. So Captain America, the man out of time, will have the time stone. The mind stone will go to Iron Man because he's the smartest. The power stone of will go to Hulk. Um, the reality stone will go to Black Widow because she's a spy and she can um, disguise her own reality. The Soul Stone will go to Hawkeye because he's the one that's the most invested with a family on the line. And then the Space Stone goes to Thor because he can teleport anywhere in the universe and he has the most galactic experience. And maybe all of them hold a stone and do something together and sacrifice themselves like the end of the first Guardians, except this time they don't make it out. I like that theory a lot. So just know if a strong enough individual is there, they can hold the stone. Right. And just remember the Guardians ending and where stones come from. What the story right. is with them, at least. Yeah, I feel like, like I, I, I find that theory to be like very possible as one of the possible like endings of what could happen in in Endgame. Um, but then, like going going back when it comes to Peggy Carter's line, when it comes to like you know nothing's ever gone, and going back to returning villains. Like Red Skull, I feel like Red Skull might come into play in some weird way in terms of maybe a stinger when like maybe the Infinity Stones will like scatter across the universe again, maybe, and he ends up with the time stone because his the reason one of the reasons one iteration of the skull I've noticed is the cosmic skull and his brain gets fried because he couldn't control one of the stones' power and the time stone helped them revert back to before he <clears throat> he got he interacted with the, with one of the stones. So maybe he might end up with the time stone and therefore going back to the mindset where he's in full control. And now he knows what to properly do next time when he faces a golf against um, his enemies. Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot to be gleaned out of guardians. Also remember the backstory for Nebula and Thanos. I feel like they will have a very big connection for Endgame. They already have the familial connection, but for those of you who are unfamiliar, Nebula plays a huge part in the original Infinity Gauntlet comic arc. So look for her to have a big um, presence in Endgame for one. Um, moving on to Age of Ultron. There's quite a bit in Age of Ultron as well. Um, this is the first time in the MCU we get reference of Endgame. So after Ultron is created, all the Avengers are together and Cap, uh, not Cap, Iron Man says that thing that you mentioned earlier about trying to put a shield around the world. Um, and he's like, that, that up there, that's the end game. And I'm like, oh, is that something? Or is it just a name drop that kind of keeps continuity? What do you think, Joe? I feel like it's, show, 
it's just probably a name drop if, if it was to help build up the universe if that was josh josh whedon's idea of the final like movie for the title for affinity war saga but <clears throat> i feel like he was probably just mentioning like you know his his fear like the end game fear which is whatever is up there in space like it's, it's still at that point in time they don't know who the heck thanos is but he knows by what he saw in the first avengers movie like there's more out there bigger than than them bigger than the earth so that's pretty much i'm just you know showing what he's afraid of and that is you know what's out there and he and at that point in time he feels like we're not strong enough even all together uh piggybacking off your thought perfectly actually is um that scene where Scarlet Witch gives Tony a vision where all of them are in space and all of them are dead. Um, like Cap's shield is broken and Cap says something like, why didn't you save us? Um, so I think that could absolutely be foreshadowing to Endgame of like all the Avengers go to fight Thanos and he just destroys all of them. Or even if they win, be like, hey, I can't undo the snap. That could be something that's stuck with him or just be foreshadowing to that all the original Avengers die. Um, But going back to that uh, scene where he says that's the end game, there's a really important line in there that I almost forgot about until now. Um, The Iron Man says something about the lines of, what happens if we lose? Iron Man, then Cap says, then we do it together. And I feel like that line in particular, that whole mantra of, what happens if we fail, then we do it as a team, is going to come back in Avengers of, okay, we've got nothing left. We've got to do this as a team. We win or we lose as a team. And I feel like that'll come back into play in a big way, as will Tony's visions of everyone dying. Right there, There is a chance that this could just lead into them maybe sacrificing themselves or probably all retiring to where they pass the torch to the to the new set because there's always a new set of avengers throughout the throughout the comics and with either a reiteration of the same characters or just like just new ones overall like and to bring the tv show avengers assemble like black panther or captain marvel ends up being the leaders of the new avengers with ms marvel and along with ant-man and wasp etc so like it show like there could be a chance that the original sits will will definitely stand down and we'll just and the MCU will just focus on the new team until maybe the next like full on Avengers movie the old the original sits may come back in a way that we would never expect. Maybe in time for Galactus in a couple of years. Galactus we would need everyone, definitely. Now there's one last thing in Asia Voltron, and this could be just be me hoping and wishing for a long time now. Um, of something that was first teased in Age of Ultron that I really hope pays off in Endgame. And that is, um, after the party, where we first meet Ultron at the end of it, uh, there's a party that all the Avengers are having, and everyone's gone home, so it's just the main characters. And Thor puts his hammer on the table, and everyone tries to take turns lifting it. Iron Man can't do it. Uh, He can't even lift it when he's got the uh, Iron Man glove on. Hulk tries to lift it. Cap tries to lift it. And he can't lift it, but he's able to make it budge like an inch or two. And Thor has that panicked look in his expression and in his face. I think in Endgame, I've said this for a while now, I think Cap is using Thor's hammer. Mm. 
I feel like he could like just just to make everyone like you know happy and squeal. Like, I would hope for. I would like to see that too. I would. I would not be against it at all. But like, it I'd has be, to like, be in um, the right scene, obviously. But the the right mo- the right moment. Yeah, I've seen someone suggest that maybe Thanos takes away Cap's powers, and it's only when Cap stands up to Thanos, even without powers, that the hammer's like, "You are now worthy." Like um, Fox from Gryffindor, it's just like, "I'll come to you when you need me most." Exactly. But just let Cap lift the hammer just once, and maybe Thor dies. Cap picks up the hammer in honor of his fallen friend, and then that's when he screams, Avengers Assemble. Or maybe I'm just fan-casting here. That's another thing that gets teased in Age of Ultron, is Cap finally saying Avengers Assemble, and I need him to say it in Endgame. So at least one person has to say it, because they've been teasing it, I think, since the first movie, and on the first Avengers, I'm just like, please, just just say it. You're so close to saying it, but... They've never said it. Like, and, mm, yeah, they've never know. said it. And I need them to at least once before all the original members say goodbye. I feel like this this movie will be it. And they will say it finally because they keep teasing it. They better. Now, lastly, we have Ant-Man, which we've said there's not a whole lot from Ant-Man except for one detail that's going to be really huge, we think. And that is the quantum realm. Mm -hmm. So in Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp, you can go to this place and it's like the beyond the microscopic level of incredibly tiny you'll never be picked up um but that place exists beyond space and time it's its own thing maybe they can't go back in time but they can using the quantum realm maybe they use ant-man's technology and that's why they're wearing the white and red suits to send them back in time to undo everything that's happened right so I feel like that's that maybe like who knows that I feel like from what I heard from like other theorists and and um and reviews for some people I feel like the timeline the way it's going to work is like the beginning is like trying to attempt to go after Thanos end up finding Tony but and decide to come back if after realizing how strong he really is. And then after defeating him, actually, they, the final phase is to, like, try to figure out how to get everyone back. If it turns out the snap is, like, you can't bring back anyone because how can you what, – what can you do to actually – because the snap is, like, I don't know how – was, like, a thought, but, like, how do you, like, undo death rather than, like, actually, like, just, like, cause it? I don't know. That's just that's just me. Like, maybe, like, the the Quantum Realm Act is, like, a way to, like – how are we going to bring everyone back or at least how to like make sure that if any gauntlet does get, cause if any gauntlet gets somewhat destroyed after the snap. So that's the question there. How is it going to bring everyone back? If Thanos uses it again in battle. Yeah. I think quantum realm is going to absolutely play a huge part in this movie. So I refresh yourself with, with the quantum realm with Ant-Man, what he's capable of, um, yeah, that's the main takeaway. I think the Quantum Realm was going to play a huge factor. Oh, also, going back to Winter Soldier really quick, before we wrap things up, just a little detail I've noticed in a trailer of... There's one little TV spot or something that's, um, Hawkeye, Rocket Raccoon, um, Captain Marvel, Rhodey, Captain America, Black Widow... I, I think it's those characters. And Hawkeye... No, not Hawkeye. Rocket Raccoon is piloting the Benatar. He's like, who's never been to space before? And a couple of them raise their hands. He's like, oh, you're going to have a fun time. 
And Cap is wearing his Winter Soldier uniform, which I thought was very interesting because that's the only movie he's ever worn that blue and the white. Blue and the gray, right. I mean. Because that's my favorite Captain America suit that he's worn on screen so far. I love that yeah. suit. So I immediately was going, wait, why are you wearing your Winter Soldier outfit? Is Winter Soldier's timeline involved with this somehow? It, it could be just like he... It's probably his most modern. He doesn't want to wear the Avengers suit. Maybe like that's his most modern suit, or like he just had ready on standby because I guess he just they just wanted something that had like the star showing, you know. Because but at the same time, it could be just a another Russo brothers edit because they've been they purposely they even admitted like they purposely edit actually film scenes intentionally meant for trailers and edits that only meant for trailers and then like tricking us. At the end, like they really got me good. They really got us good, making us think in the first Infinity War trailer that Hulk was going to be in Wakanda, but it turns out to be the the Hulkbuster armor. So, and uh, Thanos only having two stones when he gets to Wakanda. No, he had he had all five or five at the moment before he got Vision Stone. Yeah. Um, any last minute thoughts or things to remember about Marvel Phase Two? I mean, to remember about Phase Two, I guess overall if really is like it answers like some questions of why why characters are there as well as it it also like giving us more like the infinity stones of like you know this is their purpose or like you know how how is Thanos easily getting these stones or how did he get the infinity goal and answer is like he probably was always watching like I'm pretty sure he knew where the space stone was at all times I've, even after giving it to Ronan the accuser so like he knew the Nova Corps would grab it like here it is i i got it back but yeah that's just like they had the face movies help understand the purpose of the infinity stones and how course like brings in like the purpose of some characters not all yeah if phase one introduced our characters and got everyone like was lead up for avengers phase two is baby steps towards infinity war and endgame not quite of this is the direction we're going but like small steps just to start planting the seeds of the direction we're going. It's got its highs, it's got its lows, but as a whole, it's got some really good movies out there. Not, I don't think Phase 2 is as strong as Phase 1, but it's still a very strong phase, and very. there's a lot of information in Phase 2 that you may want to remember for Endgame. Well, what do you guys think about Marvel Phase 2? Let us know, and as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether that be... Uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And as always, be sure to check us out on the main YouTube channel at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.